this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Oh, you know, you win some, you lose some, you freak out about some, you just want to forget about some and move on. And um, sometimes that's easy to do, and sometimes you're at the game, and it becomes kind of imprinted in your mind for the year. So, uh, Steph, how was the game last night? Well, of course, it's always a great time going to the game and, you know, meeting someone from Leafs Twitter, uh, Kyle's all the way from Australia. I had the opportunity to meet up and go with her. So it was great in that aspect. But if we're talking, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's honestly super cool. We had the greatest time at Real Sports. We got a little uh, Liddy and uh, somehow I had five beers there, a couple on the train, a couple inside the SBA. I, I don't know. Th- things happened and lost my voice by the end of the game because there was a lot of screaming and booing and all of the things I did not want to say while I was at the game. <laughs> but- oh, boy. Uh, welcome to Leafs Late Night, presented by Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Roscoe, and I'm joined by fanalist Steph. Steph, uh, were you one of the ones booing? Did you boo? At the end, it was kind of hard not to, not going to lie. And I know this is a bad thing. I know it looks horrible. But the feels, guys, like the roller coaster ride, as we talk about time and time again, just coming into that night, you know, Arizona Coyotes, learning that they're they haven't lost a game in this building since 2002 first of all what's up with that <laughs> i didn't know that going into last night that is stupid like absolutely yeah. dumb i mean i know they haven't always been terrible but they also haven't really ever been that relevant yeah. so that's just embarrassing yeah so you know, I tried to silence all the haters. You, everyone was putting in their bets, like, you know, take take Arizona, take McRitchie. He's supposed to score. You were going to make bank tonight. Even Dangle was going off. And I was like, nope, we're changing the narrative. As I always say, we're changing it this time around. And then I was heartbroken again. Just, ah, oh, like, I don't even know. Like, I was so close to decking a Coyotes fan right behind me because they were just brutal. Like... It's just the mix and I couldn't contain it. And so yeah. I posted a poll before the game started and um, I asked, what's the outcome tonight? There were four answers. Surprisingly, the one that won, which should have happened, which was Leafs dominate, was the mm-hmm. only thing of the four that didn't happen. I mean, for part of the last seven and a half minutes, they did. But um, overall, no. <clears throat> the other three that I had in my poll were too close for my health, uh, the Nick Ritchie show, and <laughs> Batman and the refs W. So somehow it was too close for my health. Mm-hmm. Nick Ritchie scored, and Batman and the refs won the game. So I am sorry for somehow <laughs> manifesting that, but uh, congrats to the 52% of you that predicted one of those three versus the 48% of you that thought the Leafs would dominate, which they should have. Mm -hmm. Inside the rinks poll had them at 75% to win the Leafs. So 
Yeah, it was definitely one of those uh, people who picked uh, too close for comfort, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm going to have a, a heartbeat after this, but, you know, you're in the building, the environment is already dead, and we're in the 300s, you know, row three, 300s, great seats, great view, you're kind of hanging off the stanchions, we're being loud as hell, and everyone's kind of looking at us weird, I'm like, guys, this is a game we're about to dominate. You know, the boys are going to light these mofos up and skin some coyotes tonight. And then, <laughs> I don't know, like, Nick Ritchie happened. and Make some just... Drew, Drew House X Maple Leafs coyote jackets. Coyote skin, like, fur jackets. Yeah, exactly. No yeah. animals were harmed in the making of this podcast, Joe. No. But first 27 games for the Leafs when Nick Ritchie played, he scored one goal. And that was while we were at the game last year. The first Hell 27 yeah, games with Arizona, he has scored 13 motherfucking goals. Whoops, sorry of for course my language, he has. but yeah. <laughs> of course he has. And um, that's just because a he's on the first line that I mean he was given that opportunity with the Leafs but like when you're given the minutes that he is in Arizona like he's expected to be a leader there like mm -hmm. he's kind of, it's a totally different scenario I kind of don't think so though because he was given the opportunity with the best players in the world you know top five Matthews Marner and he could not get it going I don't know if the Leafs were too fast for him and like being the guy on the doorstep on PP1 he still couldn't get it done we literally had our bet like I was gonna dye my hair blue if he never scored a goal for the Leafs or if he ever did sorry and like all of this crazy ass shit and he goes to Arizona and it's a it's a magical cure it's like they play on his level and his type of attention I don't know <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Arizona runs on that vibe that Vegas started on where it's like the collection of outcasts, like the people that get shipped out of their teams because their contracts suck and only Arizona can take them on or will take them on. So I think there's a collective mentality there, especially when you're playing in a university arena. Like, you know, you got to prove it because otherwise you're stuck there. Like the goal is to play well and maybe get out of Arizona because you're playing too well for them to pay you when your contract runs out. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a thing, you know, and there's uh, motivation, right? It's a different motivation. Another kind of motivation. Keith said before the game that the difference between the two teams is that one has elite players and the other doesn't, which is a huge shot <clears throat> towards Arizona. And maybe that was that extra spark that just, I don't know, got them in their junk. Like, Well, that's what I mean. It's that mentality of, you know, these are a bunch of nobodies when they're still NHL level players. Like they have contracts and they're playing for a reason. You know, mm -hmm. there is a lot of talent in this league that obviously bumps them down from some lineups. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that don't have those spots, right? Like they're still beating other people out for NHL lineup spots, whether the team's trying to win or lose. So they... They were drafted here in the first place. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? They're still capable yeah. NHL players. Definitely. Um, I had more of a higher hope as well. You know, no Nick Smaltz, no Connor Timmins in the lineup. Then we have baby goalie uh, Shulgren starting, who was mm. drafted by Arizona, played his first game as a Leaf last year against Arizona and won that game. And then 
this year, I'm like, okay, let's just keep the good trend going. Uh, we had so much faith in Shalgren last year. Like, I have no issues with the guy. He gives me more confidence than some other names that we had to pick from if they weren't injured. So, I don't know. Like, was any of this on him, did you think? Like, or was it just purely on the guys in front? No, the Leafs basically took their foot off the gas against a bad team and thought that they could casually just walk through and win this one. And then once they realized it's the last 10 minutes of the game and it looks like they're going to lose, they turned it on and showed, hey, uh, if we need to, we can score a couple goals really quick. Unfortunately, we will get to what happened. But yeah. Yeah. That's that's my take. I think Shalgren was left to dry by this. uh, Left to hang up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hung out to dry. The shit part too. Well, sorry. (laughs) I just had a glitch there. But the shit part too is that I think it was 11 shots on goal and Arizona had two in. And the Leafs had like seven shots at the time. And, you know, the game was kind of slow because it was 1-1 after the first two periods going into the third. And you look at the shots and you're like, guys like what's going on here why aren't the pucks going on the net i'm sorry it was one one no it wasn't after arizona two... went up two nothing or sorry to you, you know what's screwing me right now i'm looking at a picture of nick ritchie who still has a leafs jersey on on the nhl website oh my god so i see blue and and the maroon color and i'm like oh no sorry guys yeah you're absolutely right Two nothing heading into the third. Arizona's <laughs> first lead and first first period goal of the season, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and first win of the season as well uh, against the Leafs. Yeah, but uh, so Steph, tell the people why baby goalie Eric Schalgren was in net. Well, you know our boy Matthew Murray Mo- Murdog here unfortunately pulled his abductor muscle the groin area during pracky and now he's placed on ltir and the earliest he can come back to play is november 8th against the vegas golden knights so yeah 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 Yeah, I i really didn't want this to happen it sucks because he was so excited and uh it's just a fluke, right? It was always a possibility, I know, but like this just, it sucks. It sucks. And I honestly, as much as I hated the Murray trade in the summer, you know, the acquisition there, I didn't want to be right about this because I I do, I never wish injury upon any player. Like we just want success. I don't care who's in net, as long as you're bringing dubs at the end of the day, like save the save on shots on goal get the w at the end of the day but it's just so unfortunate and especially after one game guys like Mm. it's like what happened with morazic all over again and uh, yeah (laughs) morazic yeah at what point is this the fault of dubis for not having enough of or having too much confidence in people rebounding from injuries and maybe not having enough of a backup plan if it goes south. I'm not saying Ilya Samsonov isn't much of a backup plan because he's a great backup plan. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, 
Eric Schalgren, I mean, can fill in when people get hurt, but he's not playing like what 35 NHL games this season. Yeah, the good thing about Samsonov, through two games, he has a 925 save percentage, stopping 49 out of 53 shots. So he's looking great, but uh, just this whole Murray thing. And do you fault Dubis? Because, okay, he was cleared to play. We have this amazing trust in the medical staff that you guys have been telling me is so awesome all summer. They can magically cure Murray somehow. But I know. It was looking at the bigger picture for me and the frequency of how often he played last year, how often he was placed up and down, back on IR. You know, I don't know if any medical staff in the world can just magically cure someone who's going through shit like that. Yeah. I don't want to be like this. I really I know. don't want to be like this because I was on the train. I was on the Mer train. I was like, guys, and I'm still on the Mer train, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm on the Mer train. Just the plus side we have to take from this. It's happening now and not before playoffs or at a critical point in the season. Get it out of the way now. Fix yourself. Heal yourself. Go say some prayers. Do whatever you have to do so you're 100% and ready. Because if you're not, my take is going to be true that Sammy will steal 1A and keep it. So I hope the Murdog is ready. Okay. And let me give you a scenario. We now have um, Jake Muzzin who left last game with a neck injury. He already has a back injury. Yeah. That's, uh, what did we say? 5.6125 plus Murray's 4.6 or whatever it is, 4.8. Yeah. Um, do you... Here's the thing. These guys could potentially come back and play 100% again or even 90 and be great. They could also not. Yeah. This could be like these guys have crazy injury histories Muzzin has a couple of years on Murray but you know what if we are in a scenario where you know we're now down a starting goaltender and a top four defender do you which one do you would sorry which one would you make a move for first to replace with <sighs> potentially if we're islanding these guys it's uh five ish or 10 million for both yeah um you gotta go for a goalie uh you know steve tangle actually said it in his lfr when murray went down we just found out that shalgren got ran over in his last marley's game it looked like he was going to be injured and not returning to the game we're very very lucky that he is healthy because the leafs had nobody on the continent that was ready to play in this organization we yeah. could add a Zamboni driver. <laughs> Signing a university kid, you know, to that emergency basis type contract. Do you, you know, the the plans one to G are not working besides Sammy right now. So what do you do? And right now we have guys who play D ready to play. I mean, Victor Mete just got called up. He plays both sides. Goalie, on the other hand. Do we do we get Dylan Ferguson who signed a PTO and now he's, I believe, with the Marlies or Growlers or something like that? Like, 
or an NHL caliber goalie. So Samsonov played 44 games last year. If we're expecting him to do the same or a bit more, say 55 games, you're looking for somebody that can play 25 to 30-ish NHL games. I don't think you're looking at somebody who's in the minor system, unless you're going to get lucky. But like Shalgren was already as lucky as you can kind of get within the Leafs depth right now. I mean, Bean can correct me on this, but I don't think anybody else is ready yet to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's making a move for like a secondary, like I don't want to even say like a two, um, what do they call it? not the the 2b or whatever mm-hmm. um because to say that samsonov is your starting goalie is like already a little risky so you need somebody that's probably experienced and a veteran goaltender to be behind him um i just don't know who's out there it's going to be the conversation moving forward though if if murray's uh injury looks worse than it is now and i did not want to play rotate the fucking goalie in week two of the leaf season and this is why i week two okay of the season and this is why i did not want to you know gamble with such an important position on the team you were right i know yeah it's just oh like it's coming full circle. I'm just screaming in my head. Nobody listens to me, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> or do we pick up Dennis Hildeby, who thankfully signed an entry-level contract, but he's playing in Europe. So is that enough? Because a grind for the NHL season, like, it's tough. It's not like you're 12 games and then you, you call it a season. <laughs> Come on. If he's hurt long term, Matt Murray, we're not looking at just having like a body to be a backup. We need like this is a team that's going for a cup. Like you need somebody that's solid to be behind him, somebody that can come in on a decent deal. I think it's out there. They just got to go looking for it. Uh, As far as defense goes, like, yes, they have Mete and um, I know they're hurt, but like Ben, I mean, honestly, I think Lilligren is your next option once he comes back to take that spot. I don't think. Mete is a top four. I think he's more of your bottom pair defender. Yeah. But the fact that Lilligren's out right now, eh, I guess wait for him to come back now that I think about it instead of making a move there. I th- I think you make a move for a goalie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, guys are ready, like I said, to jump up in the D position, but the Gs are no non-existent. <laughs> so... Who wants to be the savior here? Because I know Sammy is number one and we're only praying that Murray is going to be back in full playing condition, you know, second week of November. Yeah. And call me crazy, but like, why not a guy who's like, um, you know, older, like who can be on a two way deal, who will take something like league men, um, or is already on one that you can send down if and when somebody comes back. But like to have, they clearly need a backup backup because, oh my God, the depth falls off so quick and it's terrifying for a team that's supposed to be in a position to go for a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And I think this was the backup backup plan. Having all of these acquisitions from the summer, you know, only a small fraction making the team, the rest just waiting with the farm ready to play in the NHL again. So we're going to see the likes of Wayne Simmons, Victor Mete, and um, 
one other one other person nick robertson nick robertson yes how did i forget nick robertson so everyone whining and crying about nick robertson finally getting a chance this season trust me guys it's coming and i don't think he's one of those guys you should rush into this position now that we see uh, you saw uh, dennis malgan for four games and the result from last game I, I think it's a good time, like just to see, because it's early into the into the season, and now you can switch things up. But if you were to, you know, sit Dennis right after game one or right after game two, you think that kind of messes with their mind a little? Yeah, I think this is a good time to send a message to guys that you know nobody's spots are solid, and if you play like that, you're going to get switched out with someone. And what did we say? As soon as there's an injury, Nick Robertson's going to come up. Did I think that was going to be this early? No, but it's happening and he's here. So you fish your wish, everybody. Yeah, exactly. And we expect him to play on that second line. Speaking of second line, I just want to do a shout out to John Tavares hitting 900 points in his career last night. If you want to take a positive out of last night, uh, that was a huge celebration for him. Uh, 900 points in 953 NHL games. Oh, my God. Leading the the team in points, uh, five points in four games so far. And, you know, leading the team off the ice. This guy is an national treasure like he's great in interviews he's great in literally any scenario so is he great in interviews i do think he is okay <laughs> that's I an do. odd thing to commend john Tavares for I... of all of the things he's good at if you're gonna list two or three i would not put interviews in there but yeah okay those are fighting words for some people. I get it. But at the same time, he's prof- professional. He doesn't beat around the bush. He That's has true. long answers. He's not just like, yep, nope, nope. Like, yeah, he's a little robotic, but isn't everyone this season so far? I mean, Matthew's <laughs> Justin Hall being, was pretty funny the other night. Yeah. And like Matthew's being asked about, you know, playing in Arizona as a kid and he's just like aren't you guys sick of these questions like asking me these questions by now like I'm sick of it clearly you guys are just on repeat every damn year this is my sixth year bro or seventh year by now like you know the answer all you have to do is google it there's probably a hundred articles answering your one question yep Uh, just to bring it back though how much do we put on Dubas for making this gamble? And does he, you know, need to make a move here to try to save face? Because look, we've talked about it. This is the year where he's fighting for a contract. So is it cross your fingers and hope that Murray comes back healthy? Or uh, do you think he gets a little drastic because of the circumstances? I really do think it's going to be a large gamble and across your fingers hope it works out because Dubis has done that with this core ever since he put it together. So I don't know, maybe a trade trade deadline acquisition, I think, for goaltending. If shit really hits the fan in the next couple of months, which, you know, I don't even think they'll blame the goalies at that point. They're just going to blame the rest of the team like they have been thus far in the season yeah i mean that's fair that the team doesn't need a fantastic goalie to win a bunch of games they proved that last year and they can afford to drop a few in october november to see what they have on the back end and if they need to make a move at the deadline but like uh, just the fact that 
you're in a position where you can potentially go into the first round of the playoffs this year against someone that's not Tampa and not Boston. You can't blow that on just giving up points in the first two months of the season because you don't know who your starting goalie is. Like, it's kind of unacceptable. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and I agree with you. I'm on that fine line of trying not to be too emotional and crazy about it all because we know how these guys play. We know that this is an elite team and the things that they can do just blows your mind. But at the same oh, time... Oh, I'm not talking about the team. I'm talking like specifically goaltending. Okay, specifically goaltending. I was leaning towards, you know, just the record to start the season. But yeah, goaltending just... Oh, the Leafs cannot hold on to a solid goaltender and I really don't know why. Like... Like my point is that like answers. if they drop if they drop a few games here and there just ones that they can't outscore their bad goaltending on if it comes to that it's just like those are the the handful of points that you you don't want to give up at the beginning of the yeah. year because it could be the difference between first second or third right so it's true it's true uh, last year the Leafs started the season five and five and some of those losses were against uh, Ottawa, Ottawa Buffalo. Nope, we had that 7-1 loss against Pittsburgh. Right. There was, you know, just, I'm just looking at the scores right now, and it was all super close. 3-2, uh, 3-1, two, one, two, one, OT. And then there was the huge game, 7-1, Carolina 4-1. And then we finally bounced back later on, I think October 27th-ish against Chicago. And I remember this time too. The power play wasn't clicking. Um, we were literally talking on the pod first month doing this sh this show. It's saying like, damn, did we jinx this? Like what is going on? Like just following this team. But it was the same shit. Like couldn't get things together. The power play was weak as hell. And we were saying there the was most a five expensive. in a row that they had. Yeah. Like most expensive power play in the league and they can't score a damn goal. Like. These same against Carol Vemelka. Vesmelka. Like, don't, 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 don't. <laughs> Nickname from it's, last year, but. Now that we've had a data sit with it, the only takeaway I have from the game is like it, it was a good team that played sloppy until they realized that they might actually lose this. They tried to score their way back and they got screwed by a bullshit call. And there wasn't enough time to fix that problem by the end of it. So, I mean had that call gone the other way or not happened like you'd probably see the Leafs continue the momentum and win it either before the game ended or in overtime so yeah that really just they were asleep at the wheel but they showed hey you know we're not going to lose this we kind of we we know we screwed this one up but there's enough time to bring it back and they in all honesty they did they did like it that's why i say roller coaster ride once again because you're at a low point and then you get tied in the game and you're at this point where i'm taking a video screaming into the camera don't count us out like mitch marner and like tweeting and literally 20 seconds later i'm tweeting again like just just kidding um <laughs> like i look like an idiot now you know <laughs> yeah yeah like, so the goals were not great against um, like I'm not going to just keep repeating myself, but the Leafs were sloppy. Um, I'm not going to also repeat the, what everybody's saying on Twitter, because you all know uh, 
which player is being dragged for most of the failures last night. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Outside of that end of that game, nobody was playing well. I don't know why we're centering the focus on our favorite uh, target boy, but uh, one turnover doesn't make the 48 minutes before it any better. No. It was a penalty by Jarn Croak, which led to the first goal by Richie, an interference call, which was pretty weak, okay? But it happened, and we already said previous episode, Roscoe, that the Leafs will do everything the absolute hard way, so it was kind of expected, but... Hey, they got a freebie on that trip on Matthews. He was not tripped at all. Right? And then Yarn Croak again penalized on that second power play uh, goal. Like, I don't know what was with his game that night, but not like this is a guy where we've been oppressed by so far and no one was clicking. No one was having it. And one thing I got to say, after Marner scored his goal, that, you know, emotionless Selly, but pointing to the crowd like like, he should be dominating this game right now and doing that. I was like, come on, bro. Like, what are you doing right now? I don't know yeah, if you caught that. I, I, no, I didn't catch that. But I feel like the vibe from the team was that, like, they weren't happy with how the fans were reacting. But it was a lot of, you know, they were placing their anger on the fans when they were mad at themselves for playing a shit game against a shit team. Like, that's yeah. all I see. Is they came out of it, they were frustrated, and when asked, they're just you know it's easy to say, oh, people are booing us. Like how yeah. how easy is it to what, what was it that Riley said about um, not shooting when everyone's yelling at you to shoot? It's like oh, it's really easy. Like saying how easy it is to tune the crowd out. Like okay, so is it they're booing you or are you tuning them out? Like mm-hmm. it's neither. They just are frustrated. So Speaking I don't know. They just got to watch what they. Uh, say sometimes not that yeah. i really care but like some people do speaking of our boy riley his stats have not been looking good i think i saw something today that said riley's been on more for or for more five on five goals against than 24 teams have allowed so far this year like he yeah. is on the ice for every goal against it seems i'm like guy like riley what is going on well, the first line has not been put together really yet. Like they haven't fully clicked. Matthews isn't dominating every time he touches the ice. And that's who Riley's out there with the most. I mean, once that power play and the first line start clicking, his numbers are going to go up too. Like they all kind of go in tandem. I mean, Bunting's got what a goal and an assist or something. And Matthews has a goal. And I think Marner has a goal and an assist. So they're not where they should be. And once they are, uh, I think that conversation will change, but like, like to pinpoint it on one player is kind of silly when we know that these guys are a unit and once they start scoring, like they should be, everybody's mm-hmm. stats are going to change drastically. It's just been an awful start. Yeah, no, you're right. And Riley still has four points in four games. His defensive yeah. play, like you, you're right. Like he plays with the top six. He, I don't know. It's just when you're at the game and watching in person, the game seems so much slower in real life. Oh, I know. It's <laughs> wild. You're, you're like watching these little dots skate around and you're like, do something or shoot or, you know, drive the net. So I find it so funny that people are against Justin Hall 
aggressively because the previous game, he was the savior. He was the guy who scored the game-winning goal against the Ottawa Senators, and he was the first star of the game. I mean, 10 career goals, four game-winning goals, and everyone loved him. And then they see a game like last night, and it's like, damn, you got to... They're literally taking him to the train station, shipping him off to every island. (laughs) Well, I mean, isn't that the same way we were with Gardner and with Travis Dermott? Like, you know, they do something. We're like, oh, yes, let's go. This is why you're on the team. And then they do something else. And you're like, how did you ever get drafted in the NHL? Like, how do you (laughs) make decisions like that? And a scout was like, yes, this guy. And then you see him another night. and You're like, oh, right. That's why. Like, it is the duality of Hall, man. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. And at some point, if you're serious about going all the way this year, you got to just weigh the pros and cons. And the fact that he is literally 50-50, like it yeah. is a toss up every night, whether he's going to be usable or literally unplayable. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a gamble you can make. Like you got to have a higher percentage than that. If you're going for it this year, guys. And yeah. I get that he's for the amount that he is playable every night that he is playable. $2 million is a fantastic deal for him. Every night that he's unusable, he is way overpaid and that just can't happen. So I said, I wasn't going to rag on him, but um it's hard not specifically for the one game i'm not going to rag on him for the turnover that like i'm not going to say that turnover cost in the game because i think that call being as stupid as it was cost them the game yeah i mean uh justin hall still had a one shot five hits three blocks still super trusted shorthanded leading time on ice shorthanded by 342 there and the previous game same thing uh led shorthanded time on ice three shots one hit one block like he's contributing in different categories but when you see when you have the eye test and you're kind of like no not that guy like wrong color or wrong way or hot and ready pizza (laughs) there's no number there that's gonna say how many times a play was about to happen and he stopped that from happening by making a bad decision. Like when you're watching and you see like people are coming up and he dumps it. Like, I mean, Muzzin did the other night, but he did too. Or, you know, just things like that, where the the puck was coming in behind him where people are ready for a pass and he doesn't even see it's there. And he jumps onto the bench, like shit like that, where it's like, you can't put that into numbers. It's just watching him play. It's like, there's something you just like, you're missing it sometimes. And I, I don't know. I'm done you know ragging missing? on a single person. What? Probably some tampons up his nose because oh they always bring him good luck. <laughs> but Forgot about that. In all seriousness, man, I cannot see management cutting Justin Hall from this team as much as Leafs Nation hates to hear it. It's not happening. I think trade bait will be a bottom six forward, a.k.a. our giraffe, which I really do not want to happen. But if he does not unleash the beast, then sorry, bro. Your time's up in Toronto, kind of like Mikheyev in a sense. But at the deadline, would it not make sense to move a defenseman that makes 2.2 or whatever Hall makes when you've got 
Mete and Ben and Dahlstrom and Lilligren, like all these guys that are kind of sitting on the sidelines right now, like, is this not the time to last year? I get it because it was, you know, who are you going to throw in there? There didn't really have enough people ready, but now that they are ready and there's so much depth, like, does it not make sense to try to move him, you know, maybe boost his value, bit, get him all the minutes now and, and move him for, uh, to free up that whatever the difference would be, bring another forward in or maybe a fucking goalie. No, I absolutely agree. I, I think that is reasonable, but just this gut feeling I have about Justin Hall, he's going to be the next Marinchin. Yep. <laughs> like he's hey, never going to leave. Marinchin's gone now. So, Did he retire from hockey or did some an accident happen? Because <laughs> I'm shocked to hear that. <laughs> Honestly, now that you talk talking about something because I'm gonna look it up because I actually don't know where yeah. he is now. Yeah. Oh man, just in all. Oof. You know, we missed the last couple of episodes for the Ottawa and Arizona game. Maybe for the better immediately after the game. Uh, but <sighs> he plays for HC Oshalari Trinek in the Czech Extra Liga. Oh okay, okay um teams too deep the top tier of czech ice hockey okay so it's like the okay okay that makes sense okay well he's, he's still playing. playing wow should we check yeah. his stats should we play yes. that game yes let's check his stats okay. please hockey db martin Merchin. this year um eight games so far he's got four assists for four points Nice. Last year in 42 games, he had four goals, 11 assists for uh, 15 points. Right on. And uh, that's about it. He was with the Marlies uh, for the first half of last season, and then I guess went over to the Czech Republic. Okay. Or Czechia. Right on. Well, I applaud anyone later in their career to still be playing hockey. We know how difficult this is. Well, I personally do not, but... He's only 30, by the way. Wow, I feel old as fuck. <laughs> oh my god, I'm thinking this guy is like 34 at least. Wow. No, Martin Renshin is 30. Martin Renshin but... is my age. What the hell? Yeah. Hey, Matt Murray's my age, like literally same year. That's weird. Yes, yes. and he looks like he's 50, but yes. Hey, I know. Um. Okay, so should we go on to questions? Yeah, because I don't know do how it. much more we can beat this stupid yeah. game. I'm surprised we even got this far about it. Um, <laughs> so first off, Mike, are we really that surprised? No, because this seems to always happen, whether it's Buffalo or Arizona or whatever. If there's a team that the Leafs 99 to 1 percent should beat, they're probably going to lose it because they're just asleep at the wheel. Yeah. Uh, two, how many more costly mistakes does Justin Hall have to make before Dubas ships him out? Yeah, we just talked about that. Endless amounts. Uh, number three, not a question, but a Harvard grad, Kerfoot, just got lawyered by Bettman. Can't make this mm. stuff up. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. We need to talk about that uh, right after this. <laughs> uh, how do you change the culture on this team? Tried a new coach once and still the same problems. Bring in veterans that are looking for their first cup, still the same problems. Bring in the guy that dented the cup and still the same problems. I'm at a loss. <laughs> this is from a Caper Leafs fan. 
Um, do you think there's a problem in the room? I honestly do not think there's a problem in the room. I think it's way too early to be saying this. And Leafs Nation kind of had a panic attack because we know we PTSD, man. Like we've been there, done that. Last year was the same shit, different year, you know, (laughs) but it will get better. It will get better with more reps, more time together, you know, just pulling up their socks and saying, guys, losing sucks and we're we're a better team than this. It will get better. I don't yeah, think there's I mean, time we, for panic. We saw the best season this team has ever played last year. And on paper, they've only gotten better, but a lot of those pieces are still new. So I think it's just going to be a matter of everyone starting to gel, getting the power play back going again. Matthew's knocking the rest off. Same with Marner. Same with Nylander. I mean, Nylander's probably been the best of the four of them so far. And, and then Tavares. Yeah. And then I would say Marner, then Matthews at this point. Like, I mean, Matthews has had some good looks, but he keeps, uh, he doesn't feel like, I mean, okay, the hits have been great. The shots have been great, but he's not as dominant looking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't notice him every time he's on the ice. It's not like, oh, yeah, there he is. Like, true yeah i feel like the other guys have just been a little quicker to start up and i mean look he was the same last year once he gets going he's going to score shit on the goals it's just uh once that starts yeah you know, and uh beaner said it on twitter today uh nobody goes 82 and 0 okay exactly and last year we had the five and five record to start the season and then we had the best record in franchise history to end the season so lots of time Exactly. And there's a reason I didn't bring up the thing yet. It's because the last question here from TJ at um, this is not a real. How is this a a real account? I'm sorry, (laughs) TJ. Uh, TJ at TJ four seven 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 two four oh nine. Okay. Definitely not a bot because this is actually typed out. Uh, Anyway, sorry, TJ. Um, How does one hand pass when someone whacks it out of your hand before you can even do anything at it with it? So the last goal was scored by Alex Kerfoot. Everybody freaked out. It was great. Steph went to the bathroom because she was so confident that the this was good, right? Yeah, like what, 12 seconds left or whatever it is. And I'm like, I'm in OT heaven. I'm going to come back and see the Leafs dominate OT three on three. You know, Matthew's probably poppy, big shot from the point or wrist shot. It's going to go in. No, I come back to my seat. People are pissed. I see this. I look up and it's four, two and empty netter. go. Yeah, just just. I don't know, just train wreck and pissed. So, so, um, was it that? Okay. Okay. So here's what I remember happening. So the commentators, when they saw the stoppage happen, were like, oh, they, I think they might be seeing if, cause I think they were confused. It was a, it was a delayed penalty, right? Afterwards. Um, and they ended up erasing the penalty because they went back to when the goal happened. So there was a delayed penalty against Arizona. And who was it who touched the puck, who slashed Riley's hand? Keller. I forget now. Keller. So um, they were seeing if Keller had touched it, but it like hit his stick, which they wouldn't consider possession. Then it went off his leg, which wouldn't be considered possession. Then it goes to um, back to Riley, then over to Kerfoot. 
what they were thinking is that maybe he had enough possession of it for this to be whistled down as the penalty. They had no idea that this would be considered a hand pass and that that's what they were viewing. So when this got called a hand pass, they were like, oh, wait, where's the hand pass? So literally no one in their right mind thought this was. So I don't know how Bettman got his hand into the situation room that quick because it's all the way up in Toronto. But oh my God, that was stupid. The rules do not make sense too, which is the frustrating part. And they're written in the most confusing way possible. So when you're supposed to be subjective about something or it's based on the on-ice official's opinion, it doesn't make sense. Like it's literally written in the rule book where the infraction at issue was missed penalty call subject to the sub or subject to the judgment or discretion of an on ice official, such as an, an infraction, the goal call on the ice being overturned, even upon review would have been a different call. Pretty much they're saying like, you can't go backwards if the on ice officials say one thing and then the situation room comes in again. And I don't know, it's just so confusing. So Mitch yeah. Marnie today tweeted why is it you can't overturn a goal on a play that is up to the subjective opinion of on-ice officials, but you can overturn a hand pass, which is explicitly explicitly subjective to the opinion of the on-ice official? Like, what a mouthful, but it doesn't make sense. Like, nothing makes sense. Yeah, because basically what he's saying is a hand pass is up to the ref. There's no black and white call on, on what would be considered a hand pass or not because of how kind of a gray area it is on what you can catch and then drop down say you get hit or something as the pucks in your hand and it goes to a player on your team some refs would call that a hand pass some wouldn't the fact that a goal happened and you're going to go and say actually we're going to review whether that was a hand pass that is insane and way too much power to hand over to officials because if we're talking about about the same officials who very very much not long ago let somebody go to cover up the fact that they were all involved in essentially just making up calls whenever they wanted to control the outcomes of games or at least influence them however they wanted. So the fact that this is now like out of the bag of tricks is worrisome because like, I'm not saying this is some conspiracy, but like the fact that the ability is there, um, any important game is now in jeopardy of just, like being overturned by stupid officiating because anytime a goal happens like look this is how law works it's it's precedent right so now that this has happened once coaches are going to start challenging they're going to look for whenever a goal happened it's like remember a couple years ago when uh they could start challenging for offside uh goals every time a goal was scored they were challenging it for offside because it probably was and they missed it because the reps weren't really that great at calling them yet because they weren't being watched by a video review. Now that refs or that coaches have seen that they can get this to overturn a, a goal, they're going to make a coach's challenge. Be like, hey, I don't even know if you can coach challenge this. I might be wrong on this. But if you can challenge and say, hey, that was a hand pass that you missed before. And they can go back and call that. Like, it's just another thing to add to the bullshit list. You know, it's like, can we just have properly written rules that are enforced properly? Yeah, and we are so used to this bullshit list. You know, first example, the damn playoffs of last year. You have the phantom call that led to a goal. Literally a phantom call. A ghost happened and 
<laughs> like that's about it and then you had the pick you had the jt like overturned because of that pick and oh like it's just bean said it this way on twitter he said how can you take an intentional direct direct how can you intentionally direct a puck towards your teammate when your teammate is behind you, your hand is facing towards your opponent's stick blade that's in your glove, altering the angle and movement of your glove, and it goes off your opponent? Like, is Morgan Riley a genius for accomplish- accomplishing that? Because what happened just did not make sense the way the ref described it. Honestly, whether it's a hand pass or not is kind of irrelevant because the point is they shouldn't be able to go back to review if they missed one. If you missed a hand pass, something that is not a penalty, something that is just blown down, you cannot go back and review that on a video. I'm sorry, that's stupid, especially after a goal is scored for the sake of seeing whether the goal should have counted or not because you might have missed a hand pass. I'm Like there's some things that they're allowed to miss and you can't review them and some things that they can miss and you can't go back and review and it's fucking arbitrary and they need to stop this. Like video review should only be in place for like two things, blatant offsides and goaltender interference, which is even then controversial, both of those things. But outside of that, there should be nothing that they're going back to video review because you're trying to speed the game up. Like the whole point of these things is to keep the game moving. Like, I get they want to make the right call, but sometimes, like, if you miss something, especially if it's not a penalty, like, sure, let's go back and review missed penalties then. Let's not go back and review missed, like, hand passes. This is so stupid. Like, is this what you want the game to be? Would, like, they make all these adjustments to try to make more goals happen, but then when goals happen, they find ways to call them back. Like, they operate completely opposite of the rules that they put out. Yeah. It's like... it. And not to drag it into this, but it goes, it's like the salary cap where it's like the point is to protect people from spending too much money, but there's rules that allow you to take advantage of it to spend more money. So which is it? It's so dumb because the rule implies that if it's either a hand pass, a high, high sticking on the puck or pucks out of the boards, those can be overturned stoppage in play and, or sorry, stoppage in play and overturned. But if it was a missed penalty, then you cannot do that. Like it's really that is so the stupidest weird. shit ever. Yeah, that is it's so stupid. So bad. And then the audible so you game, can take your you can take your stick and two hand slash somebody in the face with it, which is apparently a one game one. suspension. We can get to that later. You can violently two hand slash somebody in the face and get a one game suspension. And if a goal happened there because of the the puck went back, it doesn't matter. You can't go back and review that if the refs missed it. But mm-hmm. if that two-handed slash missed your face and just hit the puck out of your hand and it went to a teammate by accident and he scores it, you can overturn that. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yep. Oh, my God. All four officials missed this apparent hand pass. They thought it then, was going then to it be didn't a penalty. Happen. Then and nothing then, happened. If all four people missed it, then it then they missed it. And the one they missed guy's- it four feet away from the play literally staring at it and then you have for example something that always gets called every single day ottawa game the sen flicks the puck out of play not even off the net like right out that is an instant call of course it doesn't get called luckily leafs won that game okay so we're not picking on that too much but you cannot miss those kinds of 
those calls and then do some shit like this that happened last night. Like they're it, getting so dependent on video review that they're just not calling things on the ice and just saying if hey whatever you guys want us to call in terms of like you know pucks going over the glass whatever just just challenge it and we'll look at it then but otherwise just you know we're gonna call what we feel like it's this is insane and i feel like i'm repeating my we've been doing this for a year now and i feel like i'm beating the same drum like yeah they need to have a meeting with the refs and be like what the hell is this and batman's not like and it's stupid because it's I don't know who's going to even do that. Like the NHLPA be mm-hmm. like, hey, guys, this is dumb. Or what if they just I know this is drastic, but what if they just said we're going on strike? We're not playing until you guys sit down with us because this is dumb. We're not having outcomes of games right. affected by your bullshit. We're the people that people pay to see, not you. Yeah, seriously. We're the ones that are paid to go out there and score goals and generate all the money for the sport. You are there to send someone to the box for two minutes when they break one of like seven rules and mm-hmm. call offsides and icing and a couple yeah. other things. Other than that, <laughs> stop fucking with the game, please. Please. You're literally putting people's seasons on the line when you do this in the playoffs. Now you're doing this, you know, game four and okay, there's people who agree with it. And then obviously let's just put it out there. The Leafs played shit last night. I don't think it should have came down to this call being reversed or no. not. Like Leafs should have been up like five, one, six, one, whatever. Like I hate that it came down to this because you gave us the candy and you just snatched it right away from us because it was tied. And then this shit happens. And it's another punch in the gut, slap in the face. And what, what do you left to do, but literally cry about it? Like you literally cannot do anything about it at that point. And honestly, uh, I hate to say this, but like, what is better for? Oh, shit. No, maybe this is better for media. Like what looks better? The Leafs making a comeback in the dying minutes of the game or the Leafs losing because of some stupid call to the worst team? Like really what? like for the sport, if we're talking, you know, Batman getting his greasy fingers into games. You know, just to put the the aluminum tinfoil hat on, like what what honestly looks better, the Coyotes winning that game or the Leafs storming back in the dying minutes or sending it to overtime? Like, I just it's so dumb. The Coyotes needed this win in Toronto. The highest didn't like no, they didn't. They they did not. No, they did not. You're right. They will never make the playoffs this year. It's not trying to tank. It is yeah. in, it is against their plan this year to win any games. So the fact that the handful of games they're going to win this year has to include the Leafs for some reason is stupid. Like they did not need this win. They don't need any wins this year. They are trying to get Connor Bedard for some reason. Uh, not for some reason they're trying to get Connor Bedard, but for some reason they think that that's going to be the thing that turns this team around after all of this, after abysmal management for a decade. Uh, but it's just it's silly that a, a team that's literally try on not the players are trying to lose but they've assembled a team that is not supposed to win mm-hmm. and they can somehow squeeze out a win against a, a team that's not supposed to lose essentially is uh, it's infuriating that's why we're so mad because the 31st and 32nd place teams of last year standing 
stole two points away. Well, they rightfully earned those two points from the Leafs because they've been playing brutally. But it just hurts so badly. Of course, it had to be the Habs in Arizona. Like, of course. It's just like, how other way can you rub it in? There's salt in the wound. Habs are off to a good start, eh? Suzuki with the OT winner last night. Did you actually see, while we're on that uh, topic, one sec, Jack Eye, that's how you say the last name, the uh, ex, oh, ex uh, defender. Yes, Wi-Fi, when he was asked. Um, he, or sorry, it was Slavoski and him. He's like, you need to come up with a more creative nickname for Slav. He's like, I'm working on it. What's yours? He's like, some guys call me Wi-Fi. He's like, oh, you know how a Wi-Fi password usually looks something like my last name? Dead. Dead. That's amazing. <laughs> Because how do you spell it? It's like X. It is. H-E-A something. I don't know. Yeah. X. There's an X and a J. X H E K A J. (laughs) But. uh, That is a lot of points in Scrabble. That is. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, that's like 100 points right there. Oh, God. Okay, so looking forward, because we have to, because looking back is pointless at this point. Uh, Dallas is up next. Mason Marchment, Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski. uh, I don't know. Who else is there? (laughs) Yeah. um, Sagan's back on. Heiskanen. Sagan. Sagan. Ben. The other Ben. The other Ben. Yeah. So... What are we expecting to see? Is this team going to bounce back immediately or is this going to be like a bit of a shaky couple, you know, maybe a week or two for these guys? Well, uh, Dallas is 3-0 and to start the season so far. Jake Ottinger yes, is, has a 966 save percentage. Um, Jesus. Continuing the play from the playoffs last year where he literally ended with the best record ever in what 980 something or whatever it was like allowing one goal in the whole series or something crazy like that yeah the otter is a diamond in the rough yes so i expect you know the robertson brothers going at it uh num- first nhl game of the season for nick and we're going to see jason his brother in action who is leading or has the tie and in lead for points on the team, uh, five five points in four games, along with Marchment and Hints. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be rough. And it should be a good one because usually Leafs play better against better teams. And if they're going to play like an elite team, then Leafs better bring it. I just realized we have the lesser Robertson and Ben. The lesser Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say like... I mean, Nick Nick Robertson, by the end of his career, could be a superstar. He but could. at the moment, yeah. of the two, we have, you know, yeah. the lesser of both, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, yeah I, I hope that they bring it because Dallas is a high caliber team. They play a little defensively. But, I mean, I haven't watched them yet this year with the addition of Marchman and, and Hintz breaking out. They might be... Uh, faster high-flying team than we're used to seeing but i mean pavelski's still old and slow so i'm not expecting much more to him than standing in front of the net jvr style deflecting fucking everything yeah. i yeah. swear 50 percent of his goals he did not shoot like he, like Kreider. they did not 
exactly. <laughs> hey, nah, mm. just a deflection or just yeah. jamming at it. But I, I think the Leafs normally play better against good teams. I mean, look, we've seen them play Ottawa, Montreal, and Arizona, who are teams that maybe are good this year and getting better this year, but like not Arizona, but um, the Leafs mentally probably went in thinking they were going to be cakewalks and uh, were rudely awoken by some tough games. So I think going into Dallas, seeing, you know, they are three and O and looking back, they're like, shit, we're two and two. Um, hopefully they turn it on. That's the only thing I can, I can see at this point. The alternative is they shit the bed again and I don't want to <laughs> watch that. So I'd, yeah. I'd fingers crossed. Keith said, you know, their best players haven't found the rhythm yet. I really hope our power play can get clicking and quickly because I don't even think the Leafs had one shot on goal for any of the power or the power no. plays last game. So it was that brutal. That's why pathetic. they were getting booed. The Leafs need to drive the net more. Stop playing al- along the perimeter. Take the puck to the net and scoop up those rebounds. Like anyone, we've seen it in preseason, like just a little tap in and it feels good, guys. So just get into position, shoot the fucking puck and be ready. I mean, the reason you saw it in preseason is because you have a lot of kind of grinding players that are trying to make it onto the team, whereas the actual lineup once you get to the games is a lot of snipers. So hopefully... You know, Bunting starts clicking and gets in front of the net and starts cleaning up Matthews and Marner's rebounds and the same with uh, with Mulgan. But uh, I just feel like they haven't gotten there yet. Bunting's been a little quiet since that first goal, which he I was expecting the opposite. I thought he'd be the first one out of the gate, which is what we were saying. But same with Matthews. He's been yeah. quiet. I mean, like, really, Matthews only scored by, to quote Luke Matt again, a bee's dick. So um <laughs> We really haven't seen them pop off yet, so. I honestly think we are seeing lineup changes, and we're going to be seeing Simmons in the lineup. So I think Dallas. Yeah, I I think so. Uh, I think Malgin and maybe Ingval will sit to make room. I don't. I don't see it for for Robertson and Simmons. I don't know. Like, who who do you sit then? Who would you sit? Or Probably, maybe Zach Aston Reese? Yeah, I was going to say Aston Reese or Abe Kubel, one of those guys, to put in Simmons. I wouldn't take somebody off the third line. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's really tough. But you want to put Robertson on that second line. Um. I mean, the alternative would be put Robertson on the second, move Malgan down to the third, and take Engvall out. So... Yeah, and that's the good thing about having Kerfoot as well, right? Like, if we need mm-hmm. to move guys around, he can play on the third, the second. Like, it doesn't matter where He's you put great. him. He's been really great. Really good. It's always, like, <laughs> it's always a couple guys at a time. You know, it's never everybody at once. No. But whenever it is, for those few games of the year when, like, everyone's on fire, I remember that New Jersey game last year where it was, like, everyone who touches the puck is going to score. And uh, right. the Detroit game, which, I mean, they let in a shit ton. But again, every time someone touched the puck, it was like, all right, who's going to score the next one? Mm-hmm. So those games are fun. It's just right now it's been a lot of, you know, a couple guys on. Like Marner was really good against Arizona, but nobody could really keep it up around him. I mean, he had some bad plays, but it's tough when you got nobody really awake around you 
Um, yeah. And that's kind of been Nylander the last few nights. Um, him and Tavares and Malgan have all been pretty good, but I feel like there's some plays, especially in the power play, where Nylander seems to be the one who's driving things and the others are waiting for their shots. So, yeah, eh, yeah. we'll get there. Well, you know, disappointment happens around the league because right now our Stanley Cup champions, the Colorado Avalanche, are 50% on the PK. They have lit in um, six power play goals out of 12 opportunities so far. That's ew. Should, yeah, ew, right? Right? That's really surprising when you think of Makar, Taves, the back end there. So, well, Gorgiev, you know. Yeah, and then we had the New, Jer- New Jersey Devils fans chanting last game, "Fire Lindy, fire Lindy!" Oh no, Lindy Ruff, the coach, and then oh, the okay. Wild allowing twenty goals in their first three games. Whew, yeah, if that happened bad. to the Leafs, we would be sitting in the fire right now. Mark like, Andre Fleury let in eleven goals in the first like game and a half my fantasy teams are mad and very happy we didn't count last week but i'm really hoping they bounce back because i drafted him in almost every league (sighs) so it's tough when you score six goals and still lose eh? like right (laughs) there's not much you can do there so um Otherwise, some quick news before we sign off here. Um, this is from Pierre Lebrun that uh, the media met with G- Gary Bettman today. And mm-hmm. apparently the escrow is looking like it could be paid back by the players by the end of the year. And if that is the case, we would see a cap jump of four, four million dollars in this offseason instead of one. But if they don't pay it all off, it'll be one. Judging by the fact that he would go out and as far as to say the amount and that it's looking likely he is not so he's a lawyer he is not <laughs> someone that speaks in hypotheticals or this might happen very often yeah uh, he's very sure of things he says so i'm gonna say if he went as far as to tell the media that at a scrum uh it's looking like it's gonna happen so Damn. four million dollars is not insignificant especially no. after how it's been frozen and only a million jumps recently but that's uh that's going to be a, a big difference for a lot of teams that weren't expecting it. And I you... think we're going to see some interesting trade deadline uh, moves that would not have otherwise happened. Totally. I totally agree. That's a huge jump. I'm just picturing the contracts being signed with that extra cap space. Those l- lower tier players getting closer to double digit, you know, annual average type contracts. And you're like, what is going on here? And four mil like you can buy a couple camps and add in a rasmus and you know like that's that's a good chunk so speaking of rasmus how pissed is sandy and that the cap is going up next (laughs) hey you want to play buddy you gotta you gotta start somewhere (laughs) but on that note the people that it is big for are the uh the john klingbergs and the uh people like say Sonny milano that are signing one-year deals you know the make or break when they wanted their big one and it wasn't there, now it might be next year. Or it's at least a little mm-hmm. more likely that some of these teams are going to dish it out. Yeah, and uh, fun fact, if you baseball swing your stick to someone's face, it's only a one-game suspension. Which the same is the as same? if you skate by a guy and uh, kind of half-body check him in the back if you're Kyle Clifford. So, 
And it's also the same punishment for declining an invite to an all-star game. So baseball swing to the face versus declining an invite to an all-star game. And again, what Kyle Clifford did in the playoffs last year, which was like a skate by shove into the boards. Yeah, just like a butt check kind of Sudan style. I'm glad we're still consistent this year with uh, (laughs) our suspensions being inconsistent. Right. So, yeah, we people were saying, you know, three to five, even six games for that brutal fucking play by Kuznetsov on Burroughs, I believe, Vancouver Canucks there. Ouch. Ouch is right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like um, there was something else I wanted to end on here. Did you have anything while I check my notes? Um. Well... I'm just looking forward to the next game. Just a reminder for everyone, it starts at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. Ew, so a really? little bit of a late one. Yep, it is at home, but for some reason it's a late start. So beware of that. And then the following game, who do we face as well? Let me see. Winnipeg. Oh my oh. God, Edmonton is losing 3-1 to Buffalo. Oh, Stuart Skinner and Net. So I hope. Yeah, I just picked him up today. Yeah, same. I wanted the stew to be hot, hot and ready, but what the hell? (laughs) Tage Thompson with his first goal of the season. Okay, rock on. He should be getting his the third eligibility status on Yahoo soon. He's one of those players with uh, three positions. He should be listed uh, all ways. Yeah, right now he's only center. It's stupid. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Gaudreau also scoring tonight as Columbus beats Vancouver. Just as I check through. So Vancouver's off four, zero wins, four losses to start the season. And they also broke records by actually taking the multi-goal lead in three of their first games of the season and then blowing it. <laughs> yeah, they did again tonight. It was 2 nothing for Vancouver. More history in the making. Kind of like the Montreal Canadiens start last season. The Vancouver Canucks are kind of doing that now. They lost it in OT, so they still got the point. But I'm actually oh, pretty nice. sure that it was 3-1 at one point. Because I remember I, I have Merz Lincolns, and I was looking at his his save percentage, and he led in two on like his first two or three on his first like 11 or 12 shots, finished the game 32 saves on 35 shots and a oh 9-14. Bounce back. They, wow. Yeah, so they bounced back and won that. Yeah, Elvis. Let's go. Um, lastly... Starting next episode, we will have um, periodic segments. It'll probably be once a month to start. Um, but we're officially sponsored, baby. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for everyone listening to our show. You have helped us get us to where we are today. Honestly, it's so much appreciated and can't wait to bring you this special segment. Yeah. And um, just. I'm going to be honest. It's um, a sports gambling adjacent company. It is not actually a casino. So we're not going to be shoving that down your throats, but it is Mm -hmm. one that helps with the process of betting. So uh, we understand that not everybody does this, but we also understand that some of you do. So we're not going to shove this down your throats, but we are going to, like I said, once a month, kind of do a bit of a, an in-depth explanation of how it works and, um, and show how it can be helpful to you too. But like 
I said, we're also not going to shove it down your throats because I know some of you hate having sports betting everywhere right now in Ontario. So, yeah. But... Speaking of sports betting in Ontario, actually, did you see the Bet MGM commercial with uh, Wayne Gretzky and Connor McDavid? I saw you guys talk about it in our group chat, but I have not seen the commercial yet. I'm behind on this loop. So, how great is it? So basically, Connor's on the ice at practice, and he's taking shots on the net, and uh, Wayne is uh, behind the glass, and he's on his phone, and he's yelling at it because he's like watching, I think it was like a basketball game or something he's betting on, but what he's yelling seems to correspond with like him yelling things to McDavid, and then when he realizes that he's not, he turns to him and starts taking shots like at the glass <laughs> to like try to hit Gretzky. Nice. And he's like, what, well, man? Just, you know, bet MGM. Okay. <laughs> what was the the line? Because nice. um, says uh, I'm trying to practice here. He's like, yeah, you need it. That nets that way, bud. Oh, okay. I love that. Yeah, you yeah, need he's it. Shooting it at him at the glass. <laughs> it's lame, but I'm more interested in the fact that like that's a really expensive cast for an ad. Yeah, yeah. No kidding, eh? <laughs> but honestly this whole sports betting thing we have a channel on our discord so we don't you know drown you in gambling type discussion so if anyone has any questions please reach out on that channel i do like to sports bet so if you're looking to get into it please message me if not that's okay we still love you and thanks for the support Heck yeah. Thank you all. Uh, we appreciate it. It's because of all of you that we are at a point where somebody is willing to um, compensate us a little for uh, for doing this show, which helps us not drain our bank accounts to do it. So thank you so much. We will be announcing all of what that is next episode. Thank you Ooh. all. We love you. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more.